Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Sanctuary. We are live. We have got the most phenomenal guest. Those of you watching, you've probably already seen him. I'm joined by the fantastic Pat Fitzmorris, probably the greatest ranker out there. He is the managing editor at Fantasy Pros. Pat, how are you doing? Oh, doing well, Rich. Thank you. I, I do not think I'm the greatest ranker. Hopefully I'm an <laughs> adequate ranker. I would settle for that. But uh, thank you so much for having well, me. Far better than I could ever dream of. I think I did the fancy pros contest. I think I did it three years, and then I was just like, I'm terrible at this. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stick to Dynasty and move forward. No, nice, <laughs> uh, yes. for those of you joining us live, we, we're gonna we're gonna do a mailbag show. So this show is whatever you want to make it. If you are watching live, um, jump in the comments, uh, leave us a, a comment, and and we'll answer your question live. But we have got a few that have been submitted ahead of time by some of our YouTube members. Uh, if you're not a YouTube member, you can go ahead and sign up now. Um, but Pat, we'll, we'll, we'll dive straight in if, if that's okay with you. Yeah, that sounds great. Let's get to it. Beautiful. So nice, easy one to start with. Crispy, one of our members, he just wants to know, what, what what's your favorite league setup for a dynasty startup, Pat? Well, this is going to be kind of a boring answer, but, um, you know, I definitely... <laughs> I definitely prefer super flex. Uh, you know, I just think it's a after the first year when you're only doing rookie drafts. I mean, I think super flex just makes the rookie draft so much more interesting than, than one quarterback league. So uh, yeah, super flex is, is kind of mandatory for me. Uh, really don't like kickers or defenses. And I guess I generally like to have leagues with at least 28 roster spots and 10 or 11 starting lineup spots you know yeah. just make sure it's big enough so it's not you know a, a glorified keeper league masquerading as a dynasty league um so yeah that's about it as far as like you know i know there are a lot of um leagues with frills in the scoring system and you know i'm i'm pretty straightforward you know i do play in one uh league i quite enjoy that's like a, a relegation promotion league like the uh oh, wow. you know like the epl uh, and, and so, you know, I enjoy that a lot. Um, okay. but you know, you obviously need quite a few people to be able to pull something like that off. But, um, yeah, for the most part, I generally keep it basic. Uh, but you know, if, if someone else is the commissioner and wants to do a lot of fancy, uh, things and have a lot of bells and whistles, as long as they're the ones overseeing it all, I'm okay yeah. with it. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, I'm a, I say tw 12 team super flex. I like a little Titan premium. Um, I, I normally say 30, 30 man rosters with sort of, as you said, 10, 10 or 11 stars. I think that's sort of the sweet spot. Um, I'm in a couple of those mad leagues, you know, Ryan McDowell's kitchen sink leagues and things like that. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad I don't commission those because they're far too complex. Um, but I, I enjoy playing in them. Um, but as like a one-off, I wouldn't want that to be, the bulk of the leagues I'm having to play because yeah, it's too too much thought to uh, to try and work out what I'm doing every off season in each one of those. Yeah, the uh, and the promotion relegation leagues. So those are uh, I guess they're called copycat leagues where it's multiple. Uh, you know, there are four different Mike Evans in the league or four of each player or whatever. Since there are four divisions, um, that always gets a little interesting in the rookie drafts when uh, you know you're like waiting for a certain player to fall to you and like oh. Okay, two of this guy have gone already. Are, are there going to be two more? Uh, you know, can it last two more till my pick? So uh, those are those are interesting leagues for sure. Yeah, we we've got a version over here um, called the BFFL, which is 
I think it's a nine-tiered uh, kind of, it, it's sort of quasi-dynasty. It's more keeper, I'd say. Um, and that's 16-team, 1QB, IDP league. Um, and, yeah, it's it's absolutely bonkers because, I said, there's nine different divisions. You can two up, two down in each. Wow. It's, yeah, take my hat off to Simo, who's the man that runs it, because it's an awful lot of uh, work for him. But it's, right. it's good fun, um, as much as I can't stand IDP, because I'm absolutely terrible at it, to be honest. <laughs> Same. Uh, so, question from Tom. Um, ha- simply, ha- how do you go about preparing for a startup, Pat? What's your kind of go-to, I guess, tips? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't do that much prep work in the run-up to a startup draft simply because it's part of my job to keep updated (laughs) dynasty rankings year-round and and do a weekly dynasty podcast. So, um, you know, not that I'm neglecting to prepare necessarily. It's just that, you know, the preparation is sort of year-round because of the job. But um, for Tom or anyone else who might not, you know, eat, sleep, and and breathe dynasty 365 days a year, Search for articles on startup draft strategy on Fantasy Pros. I, I know we've done a bunch of them. And uh, familiarize yourself with Dynasty ADP, you know, uh, either on our sites or there are other sites that track it. And um, most important, we have this thing called the Draft Wizard that is phenomenal, uh, very aptly named because this thing is a, a magical tool. Um, the Draft Wizard lets you do mock mock dynasty startups and there are all sorts of ways you can tweak it uh so that the settings closely mirror the settings for your league so yeah, it's, it's absolutely it's, it's a phenomenal tool um i've, I've certainly you. played with it a few times it is absolutely fantastic yeah our developers are are really good and uh you know they've they've come up with something pretty terrific there yeah i think oh. There's Tom. Thanks, Tom. Tom's Tom's agreed. The the one thing I'd say that I also do, Pat, which I think is probably a little bit underrated in terms of what people do, is is research your league mates. Um, You know, whether it be if you're in other leagues with them, go and look at the rosters. Are there particular players that they're rostering in every league? Go and have a look at them on Twitter. You know, are they constantly tweeting about certain players? Maybe slightly sneaky, but if you're drafting on Sleeper, you go on to a lot of these tools. You know, Dynasty Planet have got one. You can, you can enter their Sleeper ID and pull up their roster ship for all their leagues. Wow. Again, if, if there's a theme there of certain players, you know, you, you can start to get a feel and, and understand how people are certainly starting to attack leagues and, and attack startups. And I think that any little bit of information that you can add to the arsenal as such is... Um, is really useful so it, it doesn't take a lot of time and and it can be really helpful so yeah definitely go and, and research those league mates yeah even even knowing which teams they are supporters of to, absolutely uh, you know. yeah yeah i think you know speaking of tom obviously you know tom rosters every single ravens plague known to man so it, <laughs> it makes life easy in a startup because you know he's going to reach on them um another youtube members come in with a question here pat so we've got kiwi matt um how do you decide when to sell an aging veteran? Now, this question he was referencing purely in regards to a player like Devontae Adams. But I mean, there's, mm. we could list a, a whole host of players that are approaching that age cliff. Yeah, I mean, I, it's definitely case by case. And um, but Devontae Adams is is kind of an interesting one because um, you know I, I I do think maybe it's it's getting close to time to sell on him. You know, he's uh, 
over that magic 30 number and um, not going to have quite the same quarterback situation he's had his first eight years with a, a future walk-in Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers and then goes to uh, his former college teammate at Fresno State, Derek Carr. So he's always had like a very comfortable quarterback situation. Probably isn't going to have that this year with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, assuming his foot is okay after offseason surgery that he's reportedly been slow to recover from. And it just seems like Devontae's not real happy with the direction of the Raiders offense. So like, I don't know, it just seems like there could be a full-blown mutiny in uh, Las Vegas this year. <laughs> with, like you uh, could get traded. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I would say it's when I start to see signs of it, either something in a player's statistical profile or with my own eyes where it just looks like they're not as, you know, fast or elusive as they used to be yet. There is still a market demand for the player. Like, I think that's the ideal time to get out. Um, You know, kind of the best case scenario for selling an aging veteran, but sometimes I don't mind just riding into the sunset with a veteran, depending on the situation. Um, you know, if I have a contending team and the veteran player is still useful, even if I know there's a little bit of slippage there, like yeah. I'm okay. Just if I can continue to get something of value from them and knowing eventually, you know, they're just going to collapse on me and I'll have to release them. I'm okay with it. Yeah. I think I've described this a few times as this. I think there's four windows of kind of dynasty value in terms of how players get to those windows differentiates massively depending on the player and how good they are but there's like the should we call it the the early phase where their perhaps value is outstripping their production so you know rookies that are valued as top 12 assets at the position but perhaps not quite producing you know someone like a chris olave or garrett wilson we're talking potentially top five at the position in a dynasty startup but last year we're sort of fringe wide receiver twos in terms of what they produced then there's that second window of elite value elite production and elite age still the third window of the value starts to decline because they're they're kind of starting to um approach towards those age cliffs and people are starting to get concerned so their value drops significantly but they're still elite producers and then there's the final phase where their value is out there and and their production starts to decline. And I think for me, if I'm going to sell, I need to sell at that peak value of just before they're approaching that third window. If I don't sell at that point, then I'm just saying I'm, I'm probably holding this player for the rest of their career because I think that, you know, someone like Aaron Jones or someone like that, who was a, a sell for everybody last year, but actually you were probably only getting a maybe a second round pick, maybe two seconds. And what you're getting back for those two seconds is probably never going to weigh up to the production that Aaron Jones is, is going to put forward. So for me, I'm kind of like, once I hit that window, if I've not sold before the value starts to decrease, I kind of hold on. I'm just like, yeah, I'm never gonna, probably going to get any resale value, but I'm holding for the production. Yeah. And some of the cases are really fascinating. I mean, Travis Kelsey, obviously, who's now well into his 30s, but still producing, uh, you know, production befitting one of the greatest tight ends of all time. And um, eventually it's going to crumble, but uh, there are no signs of it. No, absolutely. 
incredibly dur durable. He looks fantastic. Um, you know, the statistical profile, no blemishes, really. Um, you know, and even Tom Brady, who was like, he was past the point where other great quarterbacks just completely went over the age cliff, like Peyton Manning, Brett Favre. And Brady was still doing well. And uh, like, what can you say about a guy who's like 44 or 45 <laughs> leading the league in pass attempts? Yeah. I mean, still had immense value pretty much till the time he, he finally decided to call it quits. So it is a dilemma and it's it's just tricky because um, these things just work so differently. And we don't, you know, we can read articles and I know people have done a lot of research on where the age curve is. But obviously, there's all sorts of variation depending on the individual. Yeah, I think that's the perfect answer is, is that there, there is no exact answer because if there was, right, uh, you know, every wide receiver, once they hit 30, becomes useless, right. then everybody would sell a, try and sell a wide receiver at age 29, at which point everybody would then go, oh, you're trying to sell him here, so I'm going to sell him a little bit earlier. And then everyone will start selling at 28. And it's just a kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy almost, isn't it? Exactly. So we've got a, a question in the chat here. So uh, have have Dak in my dynasty league, but with their OC gone, a more running orientated offense, I fear he'll fall out in the top 15 QBs. Do you agree? Interesting. Um, I do worry a little bit about um, a McCarthy, Schottenheimer, directed offense uh, after Kellen Moore. Like I I'm a Green Bay Packers fan and the last couple of years of Mike McCarthy as the play caller in Green Bay were not pretty at all. Uh, you know, and I know Aaron Rodgers was very disgruntled with the direction of the offense at the time. Boy, but at the same time, I mean, I, I think Dak from like um, 2019 to 2021, like averaged more than 300 passing yards a game. And, uh, you know, like now I feel his his price is almost a little lower than it should be in a way. So um, not inconceivable that he could fall out of the top 15, especially if the, the running game is completely gone. And he was never a, a prolific runner, but he did add a little bit of value uh, with his legs earlier in his career. If that's gone and he just has to do it purely – with his uh, passing numbers, and, and that's the only way to produce fantasy points. Yeah, he could fall out of the top 15, but I don't know. If I was betting on it, I, I think he's still going to be within or close to quarterback one range. I just, I, I still think Dak is fundamentally a good quarterback, and, uh, you know, it's a pretty solid offense around him. So I'm hoping McCarthy and Schottenheimer just don't screw things up. <laughs> Yeah, it feels like just just let the guys play and uh, and there's enough talent there that he should be good. I think for me, I, I really like Dak and I think that he is a value, but you, I think you need to understand what you're getting in Dak. If you're expecting a guy that's going to put up, you know, top five weeks at the position, I think you're probably going to be disappointed. If he's a guy that you're looking as your QB1, say, in a Superflex league, you're probably going to be disappointed. But I think he's going to be a guy that's going to put up probably 10 plus like top 12 weeks. And he's going to be that fringe QB1 week in, week out. So if he's your QB2, you're in a really good position. But you're never quite happy with him as your QB1. I I, I personally don't think they're going to become more run orientated. I think that 
you know, that maybe they've added some pieces in terms of Ronald Jones and things, but I think this offense is going to be more hopefully pass happy. And I think that's using someone like Tony Pollard more is going to bring in Dak because it's not going to be right. Let's let's pound Tony Pollard between the tackles 15 times a game. It's going to be, let's go Tony Pollard out in space. And that brings Dak in because it's check downs and screen game and stuff like that. And I also think the loss of potentially Zeke around the goal line is where Dak could see, you know, you said he's never been a massively prolific rusher, but actually earlier in his career, he was still knocking in, a, a, you know, not massive touchdown numbers, but five, six rushing touchdowns a year, which is is really useful little production. And, and if Tony Pollard is a smaller back, you know, they don't feel comfortable around the goal line with him. Maybe we start to see Dak get back to his earlier days of his career where he was used around the goal line and, and was pretty effective when he did so. So, yeah, I, I like Dak. I'd, I'd be shocked if he fell outside the top 15. I think he's a, you know, a, a back-end QB1, as I said. But, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm probably a little bit more bullish than consensus and the and the average on Dak, shall we say. Yeah, good, good point about them probably not being um, equipped to be extremely run-heavy now with with Ezekiel Elliott gone and uh you know I do think they probably add someone whether you know we've got a lot there's a lot of those veteran backs that are floating out that I think I guess they're going to start picking up jobs once they don't have to you know basically be there for the first two weeks of camp isn't it that's the point they'll start getting signed so whether it's Leonard Fournette or Dalvin Cook or you know maybe they bring Zeke back but I think there'll be a player added to that backfield through the summer quite likely yes so question from James in the chat as well. Uh, do you have any advice for convincing friends who have exclusively played redraft in the past to join the Dynasty Startup? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, just just have them talk to people who are avid Dynasty players, and, and hopefully you can do it. But, um, yeah, I know uh, during COVID, I convinced a group of friends who had, I had always played redraft with Um and that was the great thing because everyone was kind of uh, at home doing nothing. And it wasn't hard to convince these people to uh, take part in this, you know, online slow draft dynasty, ran the idea by them. Everyone was excited about it. Now I've, you know, converted like 10 people who had never played dynasty before. And they are like, you know, it's their favorite league now. So um, th that's it. Basically just the involvement you have with your team Um explain to them that you will become very attached to your team more so than you do in redraft leagues. And, uh, you know, it is, it is your baby to nurture and care for and go through all sorts of ups and downs with. And, um, yeah, I mean, just have them talk to people who've played in dynasty formats. Cause once you go dynasty, like, you know, you, you you'll still play in redraft leagues, but um, you'll never not be in a dynasty league ever again. Yeah. Probably, I've I've honestly never heard anybody who's tried dynasty and said I don't like it. I'm just going to stick right. to redraft. It just right. because what's there not to like? It's it's all the fun of redraft, but you get to keep your players year on year. So yeah, I think just just get convince them to try it and then say you know if you don't like it after a year or two, we'll get rid of the league. But nine times out of 10, once people are hooked, they, they stay. Yeah. And so many, so many people like playing in keeper leagues because they like that idea of some element of player retention and, you know, being able to keep a player who you like because he performed well from, for you and outperformed his draft spot the previous year. 
and dynasty is like all that, you know, you don't just have to limit it to one or two or three players. You can, you can keep everyone. And, you know, that's the beautiful thing about it, that you keep these guys in perpetuity, unless you want to get rid of them. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. That. Exactly. That. Just had a new member join Marcus. Welcome. Thanks for joining. Um, if you're in the chat, guys, make sure you jump in, give us your questions. This is your opportunity to, to get Pat to answer your questions. Um, we're going to dive back across to the the pre-planned questions from Danny, one of our other YouTube members. Um, how do you approach slash balance your bench in a dynasty roster? Interesting question. I think positional balance is vastly overrated in fantasy football. So I'm not necessarily looking to strike a certain balance between um, positions on my bench, especially if it is, you know, at least 28, 30 roster spots, um, you know, and, and mainly the reason I think it's so overrated is because we have the power to make trades. And that's one of the funnest things about playing fantasy football is that you can make trades. And certainly in dynasty, we make a lot of trades. So uh, I don't mind getting out of balance with my positions, knowing, you know, I can eventually um, reorder things via the trade market, but otherwise it, it sort of depends on what mode I'm in. Like if I'm chasing a title, my bench is probably going to be uh, heavy on veterans. And if I'm in build or, or rebuild mode, then it's probably going to be heavier on uh, young guys who haven't popped yet. And I'm, I'm optimistic eventually will pop. Okay. Are there any particular positions where that's, so let's take that one at a time. So if you're, competing should we say are there any particular positions that you're more likely to lean towards rostering on your bench i mean if i'm competing i, I definitely in super flex want to make sure i have like a third quarterback and maybe even uh something you know like a, a quarterback handcuff to a couple of my guys just so i'm never going to be caught um totally with my my pants down at the quarterback position for sure so um and I, I think really if I'm contending or rebuilding I always do like to throw a lot of darts at running back and since I tend not to um spend up as much in in dynasty startups like it takes a few draft cycles for me usually to uh get the running backs to where I want them but I always like to throw a lot of darts because so many guys just come out of the fog at that position and wind up being impactful because it's more about opportunity sometimes at running back than it is about talent. And, uh, you know, the injury rates at the position are pretty high. So a lot of guys wind up getting unexpected opportunities. Yeah, actually, I, I always preach leading towards what I call the volume based position. So quarterback and running back, just because of that, you know, as you said, if there's an injury to a quarterback, suddenly your backup's a starter. If there's an injury to a running back, suddenly the backup is, you know, at least flex-worthy. And wherever you're at in the cycle, whether you're competing or rebuilding, that player, if 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 you're not looking to win and, and you don't want to put him in your roster, that's suddenly trade bait and, and you can hopefully get, a, you know, whether it's a, a pick or, you know, a younger asset that you can spin that player off for a profit. Um, so, yeah, I, I love the idea of, attacking those those more volume-based positions shall we say yes uh so another question from tom here what's what's the one fantasy pros tool that benefits dynasty managers the most now obviously i know we we talked earlier about the draft wizard and how that's useful for for that startup is is there any other tools that you think kind of in when you're in the league once you've post startup shall we say that are particularly useful 
Yeah, once you're in it, hopefully it's our dynasty trade value chart. And um, our developers have set up the dynasty trade value chart so that it's powered by uh, our dynasty rankings. Myself and the other fantasy analysts at uh, Fantasy Pros, Derek Brown, Andrew Erickson, Sam Hoppen, our newest addition. So, um, yeah, those rankings drive the dynasty trade value chart. So, you know, hopefully not everyone is going to agree with every value we have placed or the way we have certain players ranked on the chart. But, um, you know, it is fueled by four different people. And so, you know, the uh, one person being irrationally high or low on a certain player isn't going to totally skew the values. But, um, you know, and we're, we're constantly like tweaking that and, and making sure that we think the values are matching what we're seeing in all the dynasty leagues we play in and, and between the four of us i we're in dozens upon dozens of dynasty leagues so um yeah we work pretty hard on that and i think it's a really helpful in-season tool but yeah if you're doing the dynasty startup then check out the draft wizard for sure yeah absolutely absolutely and reminder guys if you're in the chat make sure you you're dropping your questions in we've got a live mailbag we've got pat here get those questions in so we can uh, we can pick his brains a little bit uh, so the next one, this was from Stefan Lacco. He, he sent this in on Twitter earlier. Um, so this is specifically for Superflex draft. So we see it time and time again, those first sort of seven, eight quarterbacks fly off the board. If you're sitting there, 110, 111, 112, you're starting feeling left out. So how do you approach Superflex drafts when you get that late draft spot? Yeah, this is a great question by Stefan, because this is really a vexing dilemma. Um, you know, you, the 112 spot, or even if, um, you know, I'm in a 14-team Dynasty League and, and getting, you know, the 13th or 14th pick. Um, so I, I think everyone would pretty much unanimously agree that there are eight quarterbacks who should probably comprise the first eight to 10 picks of a Dynasty draft. Um Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Justin Fields, and Trevor Lawrence in some order. Um, but what do you do when the, all those guys are gone and you're sitting there at 111 or 112? If one of those guys falls to you because someone ahead of you takes Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Bijan Robinson, um, you know, obviously you have to pounce on the opportunity and, um, you know, if you do get one of those eights, lucky enough to get one of those eight when you're sitting at the bottom of the first round, then I'd probably pass on um, a quarterback with my second pick. But let's say you are picking 112. Those eight are off the board. I tend to think you should take one of Anthony Richardson or Deshaun Watson or maybe Dak Prescott uh, on the turn. Take one of those guys, but but don't double up on quarterback because you're just not getting great value at that point. <laughs> but I, I do like to get a foothold. Um, some people might be stubborn and, and punt the position altogether and, and wait on it till later and cobble it together with the, you know, Derek Carrs and Jared Goffs later on. A viable strategy, but, um, you know, I, I would definitely want to get a foot in the door there with either Richardson or Watson, ideally. Yeah. So you're, is there ever a scenario, I guess, in a Superflex league where you're leaving the top two rounds without a quarterback? As of now, I don't think I would. I mean, maybe if, um, you know, those those eight went 
uh, in the first 10 picks and Anthony Richardson went um, 111. You know, then maybe I'd, I'd think about whether I wanted to um, indeed grab Deshaun Watson there or maybe just pass and, and uh, you know, get my quarterback of the future in some future draft. You know, knowing the 2024 draft is looking like it might potentially be a good quarterback draft, but who knows? Sometimes um, I think we kind of thought this about this year's draft class and maybe it wasn't as deep at quarterback as we thought it was going to be. So, um, yeah, as of now, I, I think I would probably um, take one no matter what, assuming yeah, one of the top 10 were there. The only the only time I could see myself doing it is one, if there's some obscene value, you know, can I get Justin Jefferson at 112 and Jamar Chase at 201 or something like that? Or if I'm basically have already decided after the first two rounds that I'm going down productive struggle route and do I grab, you know, I think I can get Kyler in the third round or, as you said, punt quarterback altogether and go, right, I'm building for 2024. I'm just going to draft young wide receivers or or something like that. But, yeah, it's it's hard to imagine a scenario in a super flex league where, where you are basically – accepting that you're just going to miss out at quarterback completely. Yeah, I think you I think you illustrated the one example, Rich, that uh, would convince me to bypass quarterback if Jefferson (laughs) and Chase were both available on the turn. It would be pretty hard to resist the chance to get both of them to start a dynasty team. Yeah, I don't think I've seen uh, Jefferson go past about 109, 110 in any sort of start this year. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty slim scenario, let's be honest. Oh, yes. Uh, Tom's dived in the chat saying, are, are you a fan of third round reversal for, for Dynasty Startups? Oh, interesting. Um, I don't dislike it. I don't – I guess I've never seen it as um, necessary to um, make things more fair. Like it to me, it seems like um, maybe a relic of the uh, early 2000s in fantasy, and particularly redraft when um, it was such an advantage to be picking at the top to get Ladanian Tomlinson or Priest Holmes or Sean Alexander when these um, incredible workhorse running backs were scoring 25 touchdowns a year, Marshall Falk, uh, Edger and James. So, like, I don't know if you necessarily need it anymore to balance the scale so i would say like if i had my druthers i would not want it in my drafts but um i i don't hate it either like i'm not appalled that the scott fishbowl has it for instance i i like third round reversal i would much prefer fifth round reversal so i've looked Mm. at it a couple of times this off season using my trade values and and things like that and third round reversal skews values too far towards the back end fifth round reversal for my values is almost perfect and it's been that way for the last i've i've got values going back two and a half years and i sort of looked at it and and it's and it seems like it's perfect the problem is there's i've not got yet to find any sites that offer fifth round reversal as a potential option so yeah you almost have to draft off a, a google doc or excel spreadsheet or something and then input it because uh, interesting yeah, it's not straightforward yeah and i do agree with you it's almost an overcorrection because in in some drafts i guess 
I don't know, maybe it's helpful for those people who are sitting at 112 and can't get one of those top eight quarterbacks. And maybe, you know, it's it's fair to balance things a little bit in a dynasty startup. But um, yeah, for the most part, I'm, I'm kind of ambivalent toward it, though. Yeah. How do you feel about this? This this is one of my bugbears, so I'm keen to pick your brain, Pat. How, yeah. how do you feel about a startup that does um, reverse order of startup for a rookie draft? in post post rookie draft so if you get the 101 in the startup you get the 112 in the rookie draft if you get the 101 in the 112 in the startup you get the 101 in the rookie draft interesting um so this is this is assuming in the startup rookies are not included in the pool yeah. you're doing yeah. your rookie so draft separately so essentially doing the startup as two separate drafts rather than one complete one. Oh, okay yeah i mean i i guess I guess I wouldn't love it. I mean, I'd much rather pick early in the rookie draft, I think, than in the, the startup. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like I could do more with the, you know, 112 pick and the top rookie pick than, uh, you know, the opposite. When you pick 101 and, you know, maybe you're not sure about which of the big quarterbacks you want to take and you don't love what's there at 212 for you. And then you're also picking the last in the rookie draft. That's yeah. not a great spot to be in. No, I, I absolutely hate it. It's, as I said, it's one of my bugbears. I can't stand it. when I hear people, you know, listeners or, or people say, oh, this this is what I've got. Where, where should I try and pick? It's like, yeah, that, that rookie 101 is so much more valuable. You know, you just got to look at this this year's startup ADP. You know, Bijan Robinson's a first round pick. So you're basically getting three top 15 players if you're picking at the back end of the first compared to one top 15 player if, if you're getting that startup 101 but but then you're getting that rookie 112 so yeah it's, it skews values way too much for me to uh to be a fan of yeah that's interesting luckily i've never done a draft like that and i think i've only heard it referred to one one other time so um i haven't found it to be that common but um there's it's, probably a good it, reason for that it seemed to be the hot thing last last off season. Um, I feel like I ranted about it a few times, and um, and hopefully have have had some impact in uh, in pushing people away from it. But yeah, I, I seem to be. It was like once once every other day I was being asked about it. And I was like, oh wow! Yeah, know, that is. It just needs to be stamped out because it's. it's practice. Yes, that is an idea that needs to be thwarted. No question. <laughs> so another question from uh, from one of our members, Ryan. Uh, thoughts on DJ Moore this season? Hold or sell? If selling, what are you looking for back? Oh man, uh, I'm holding, and I, um, you know, in fact, I, I drafted him in the Scott Fishbowl about an hour before this show <laughs> began, and I think maybe uh, the eighth round, which I thought was pretty good value for him. Um, yeah. Like I, I still love the player, and um, a, a guy who boy, has compiled, what, three 1,100-yard seasons uh, before age 26 and has done it with an assortment of mediocre quarterbacks and really the only mediocre quarterback who could completely uh, destroy his productivity was Baker Mayfield. Interestingly enough, I mean, like Sam, Sam Darnold comes back and immediately DJ Moore is productive again. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and like I'm – I'm optimistic about Justin Fields' development as a passer. And I know that is not um, unanimous enthusiasm about his passing production. But, like, I'm here in the Midwest, in the United States. I'm in, in Big Ten country and watched uh, a lot of Ohio State. Too often 
beating my Wisconsin Badgers by very lopsided scores. But um, yeah, I mean, Fields was terrific in college. Um, just, I remember a lot of arching rainbows to Chris Olave that he, uh, you know, threw right on the money. And I know it wasn't pretty last year for him as a passer. I mean, he only topped 200 passing yards twice, but his group of pass catchers was terrible last year after Darnell Mooney got hurt, just terrible. And I don't think the Bears offense necessarily looked like what it will like look like in the future because um, I don't think the offensive line was where they wanted it to be. And I don't think they were even really interested in trying to build a pocket around Justin Fields uh, because it probably would have put his health in jeopardy last year. So they let him run really aggressively. I don't think it's going to be that way forevermore with Justin Fields. Though. I don't think they're going to be quite as run heavy as they were last year, probably more run heavy than average, but um, you know, I, I just like, I don't think it's a bad situation necessarily for DJ Moore. I think he's immediately going to be the number one receiver and um, you know, I'm, I'm betting the over on a thousand yards if he stays healthy. Yeah. I think, there's there's a lot to be said about the Bears offense last year, but I don't think there can be enough said about just how run heavy they were. It's I mean it's it's absolutely wild. Like if they I think if they'd have averaged if they'd have added ten pass attempts per game, they'd have still been below average in terms of number of pass attempts per game in the league, which just shows how how far behind average they were. I think that's going to regress to the mean slightly, and we're going to see more pass attempts. I think that DJ Moore's it, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I, I don't think you can sell him right now for anything more than probably a late first. Um, and I don't think I'd want to let him go for that sort of price. So I guess he's probably a hold for me. Um, I was just having a look whilst you were talking because I was like, I wonder where where I am versus consensus. So I've just pulled up. So Dynasty Pros ADP, Dynasty ADP, I've got him at wide receiver 24 which I'll be honest, felt, felt a little high for me. I've, I've got him at 31 currently um, and thought I'd, I'd be about consensus. So, yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm a little bit lower than, than I probably thought I was going to be, to be quite frank. Yeah, let's see uh, where I have him right now. Oh, I've got him at 17. So, yeah, I'm, I'm def- yeah. definitely bullish. And, yeah. uh, you know, if the late first is the price, um, I don't think I want to give him up, even though next year your draft is looking pretty scrumptious, but um, yeah, it's funny. You mentioned the run heaviness thing. And I maybe think back to 2021 in the Eagles where there was a, a stretch of games. Like I think it was over the second half of the season where they were running on like 64% or 65% of their offensive snaps. It was like, you know, a college team. Um, it was just, they were so ridiculously run heavy, but then, um, you know, they, they trade for AJ Brown, uh, and you know, we've seen the bears trade for DJ Moore. Um, so like maybe it was just, they didn't feel quite comfortable turning, uh, loosening the reins on Jalen hurts. And maybe it's the same sort of thing with Justin Fields and they'll feel a little bit better about letting him throw more this year now that he's got, you know ample uh pass catching talent uh some upgraded personnel on the offensive line like hopefully again i mean i do think they will be run heavy but hopefully not as extremely run heavy as they were last year 
Yeah, I think you you can look at the offense and and you can really make maybe I'm I'm trying to hype it up a bit too much, but I think this has got pretty much capable starters across the board. You know, yeah, it's it's not superstars, but DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, they're all very different receivers. That's a decent three piece. You look at the offensive line, Braxton Jones was really good last year. Hopefully Tevin Jenkins can take another step forward. They've obviously spent the first round pick on Darnell Wright. You've got Cole Komet at tight end. They've added Robert Tonyan as well, who I think will be a nice compliment to Cole Komet. You've got, I mean, a, a plethora of, of running back options, whether it's Khalil Herbert, Dante Foreman, Rayshon Johnson. Like there's, there's pieces in this offense that I think it could take a step forward as long as Justin Fields keeps keeps improving. Um, obviously, it sounds like you're you're a lot more bullish on that than I am. Um, I, I like DJ Moore. Um, I guess I'm I'm probably just a little bit cautious about where he is in his his age profile as well. We're approaching that point at which the value will potentially start to decline as as we're creeping up in age. Yeah, and the usage is going to be pretty critical too because I think you know DJ Moore is so special after the catch. I really hope they're putting him in positions where he can get the ball uh, with room to run after the catch. And, you know, hopefully if, if that requires a lot of timing routes and everything, hopefully Justin Fields is up to that and doesn't need to be a, a see it, throw it type of quarterback. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how things develop with that team and that offense and training camp in the preseason. Yeah, absolutely. Fascinating one to watch. Uh, next question comes across from, from Brad Hutchinson. Uh, so how many taxi squads spots uh, would you recommend for a startup? Oh, man. I personally would recommend zero. Like, I'd, I would rather not have taxi squads, honestly. Okay. I'd, rather just, I'd rather just have, like, a 32-man roster. Okay. So you 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 don't see any, any benefit to them, I guess, at all? Personally, no. I know, I know I'm in the minority there and most people like them, but I'd rather just, um, you know, expand the roster if you uh, want to do that. And I don't know. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I get, I'll, I'll be honest. I've probably never really given it the thought that it deserves. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you've made a really good point there. What's, what's the point in having a 30-man startup with four taxi squat spots? Right. Why not just have a 34-man startup? Um so yeah, um, you've 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 convinced me. Um, yeah, probably the it's, easiest it's, thing you've ever convinced anyone. Yeah, yeah, just kind of an Occam's razor thing uh, there. Like I, you know, why do you have to give these four guys that designation? Just make the rosters bigger. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and on that, I'm I'm similar with IR spots in terms. Well, the complete opposite, really, in IR spots. In that, it drives me mad if leagues that have got two IR spots or things. I'm like just unlimited IR. You know, if I only have it for guys that are actually injured, but I don't think that you should be punished if you, you suddenly pick up a huge amount of injuries and, and having to drop valuable players just to fill the starting lineup. So, yeah, I'm right. I'm always let's have as many IR spots as possible, but not have it so that, you know, if they're, you know, just just slightly doubtful or questionable, they can go on IR. They, they need to actually be injured um, to be able to, to jump onto IR. Right. Such probably, probably out of fear of people gaming the system. But, you know, if you put safeguards in place that prevent them from doing that, then you should be OK. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. I think, you know, for me, it's it's the way to be. But as you said, there's always someone that will try and 
find any sort of loophole they can get to to get a bit of an advantage or, or gain the system slightly. Uh, so the next question Pat, comes across from Alex. Um, who do you see as the best wide receiver from the Giants? Uh, I have Hodgins, but he's on my roster bubble. Boy, uh, that's a great question. This year, I kind of think it is Hodgins. I'm, I'm partial to him. And um, part of it is because he's sort of unique to, the, to that wide receiving core uh, <laughs> in that he's like, it's a, a group of Lilliputians. They're all small and fast. And Hodgins is this big dude who um, maybe that gives him some uh, additional red zone desirability as a target for Daniel Jones. And he did have that stretch last year where he scored what, like four touchdowns in five games yeah. or something. So like he was actually really impressive last year. So I'm, I'm partial to him for 2023 boy. I mean, I guess for the long haul in dynasty, I, I suppose I would um, probably have to bet on Jalen Hyatt even though I'm not totally sold on him um, just because of the system he comes from with Tennessee, where they run this like overly simplified system. Like Josh Heupel is this, uh, the Tennessee head coach. He's an amazing play caller, but um, not necessarily amazing in getting his guys prepared for the NFL because it's limited route trees. And um, you know, a lot of times just trying to run by people. Yeah. So uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see how Hyatt adjusts. I mean, he might just be a one-trick pony, but boy, it's quite a trick because that dude can fly. Yeah, I think it's weird. Jalen Hyatt, if he was on probably 31 other teams, I'd probably be a lot higher on him um, because for me, I really like him as a speed slot. And I think that in terms of coming out this year, He's one of the best ball trackers I've seen probably the last three or four years. Like, yes, he can fly, but he's also phenomenal at tracking the deep ball. Yes. But I don't I don't think he can play outside because I think that as soon as the corner gets his hands on him, he's done. So I think he profiles best as that slot. But then he's on the Giants who, as you said, they've got, you know, what, 10 slot receivers at the yeah, moment? Yeah, one, like Paris Campbell, Sterling Shepard. I know, it's just they've... they've Jameson Crowder, Jeff Crowder, Smith. Yes. Like, it's 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 absolutely wild. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the, the best receiver for Dynasty would probably be Jalen Hyatt. The one I may be slightly intrigued by this year is Darius Slayton, just because it's a case of he's the one guy that's not like the others in the... We've got a room full of small, undersized slot receivers. This is the one big guy that plays outside that is probably going to be on the field more than anybody else. Um, the true answer for me is probably don't really roster any of them. Probably look at another team and, and move on, quite frankly. Yeah, Slayton is really interesting because he always, like, there are short bursts where you watch him and um, you think, wow, this guy could really be special, but it like, he's never been able to sustain any sort of momentum. And he's the, uh, epitome. Know, he's the epitome of a roster clogger, isn't he? Yes. He, 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 really shows, is. he shows just enough that you can't drop him. You never want to release him. He, exactly. he, he's never good enough that you can start him. So yeah, maybe I shouldn't recommend people going and picking up Slayton yeah. Uh, because yeah, he's, he's pretty useful. I know Wandale Robinson has fans too, but I think there has been one, wide receiver in the Super Bowl era under five foot nine who's ever had a thousand yard season. And it's some wow. guy for the Lions from like 1989 whose name I can't <laughs> even remember. It's um yeah 
it's it's the the Wanda Rumson. It's it's funny because it's I throw him in the similar bucket to Kadarius Tony of literally any range of outcomes is possible for those guys because when they're on the field, they've shown an incredible ability to command targets. And I'm a yeah. big believer that targets are earned, not just given. And you know the target shares that they've both had when they've been on the field have been wild. But the problem is, is that they're we're seeing low value touches. You know, neither of them have got that getting pushed downfield. Neither of them are getting work in and around the red zone. So I'm relying on volume, but neither of them are staying healthy enough to be on the field to command that volume. So it's like, right. what are they going to be? Are they just going to end up these guys that flash and look great when they're on the field, but it's probably two, three games a year? Yeah. I mean, I'm more, I'm optimistic about Tony um, just because I, I think like if he can stay healthy, it's going, things are going to be good. And just the fact that he's uh, drawn the a target. High, yeah. yeah, he's drawn a target on 17.3% of his regular season snaps that he's taken in his two years in the NFL. And, and just to put things into perspective, Justin Jefferson, the, the target leader last year, drew a snap, uh, target on 17.1% of his snaps. And so, like, I know it's a smaller sample size than we want from Tony because of all the injuries, but man, like, take that sort of ability to earn targets and his crazy athleticism and blend that with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid calling the plays. And even if he's not like a, a true full-time receiver, even if he's just playing like 60% of the snaps, like I still want that and would want to start that every week. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And he's, you know, he's probably top five in terms of wide receivers with the ball in their hands in terms of ability to make guys miss and, yes. and get yards after the catch. So yeah, it's certainly exciting. Um, yeah. Alex says, thank you very much um, for, for the, for the answer. Uh, so another question uh, trade for you, Pat. So I get Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, a trade away, Zach Charbonnet, Mooney, Deandre Swift, and a 2024 second round pick. What are your thoughts? If Shizuto is uh, has designs on a championship in 2023, I would absolutely sign off on that. I mean, like she's already oh. got Jefferson, Cooper, Kirk. I presume that's Christian Kirk rather than Cousins. Cam Akers, Damian. I guess that's Damian Harris or maybe Damian Pierce. Sanders, Kelsey Waller. So pretty good team. Yeah, and I, I think this would sort of fortify uh, championship credentials. So, um, you know, Mooney, I think, has limited upside. Swift, I, you know, we've already seen the Lions give him a thumbs down after seeing him for three years, and he's going to a team that doesn't throw to their running backs. Um, you know, in a 2024 second, even if it's a good rookie draft, I mean, it's a, a second. So, you know, Charbonnet um, now goes to a place where he's going to be tethered to Kenneth Walker for the foreseeable future, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not like he'd be giving away, a, you know, totally worthless group of assets there. Like there is some potential value in Charbonnet, Swift, Mooney, even that pick. But, um, yeah, to get Adams and Jones and the promise of immediate production for a championship run, I, I think you have to take that. Yeah, I think I'd say sort of for me, Swift and Mooney equal Aaron Jones. Zach Charbonnet and the second round pick equal Devontae Adams, I think is a pretty even trade. Um, do I want four quarters? Do I want a dollar? 
it's an equal trade, but I'd always rather the dollar over four quarters in my pocket, quite frankly. So yeah, I'd I'd lean Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. And as you said, I think if it if it if it helps solidify that championship roster, um, I think it it kind of gets you gets you going and, and gets you to that spot, yes. doesn't it? Certainly. Well, the final question, Pat, before um we get you out. So that UK Gator guy. Um, he says, who are you drafting as a backup quarterback in Superflex? Desmond Ridder, Kenny Pickett, or Sam Howell? So I guess this is your QB3 rather than your QB2. So I think it's Pickett for me, number one. And it's uh, interesting. We were just debating Ritter versus Howell on the Fantasy Pros Dynasty podcast. And we kind of had a split decision on that one. And even for me, I've got them separated by one spot. But I've got it, um, Pickett, Howell, Ritter. And I, I do feel like Pickett has somewhat limited of a ceiling. I mean, really interesting. Like, I didn't like the college profile at all. Like, he wouldn't have been drafted if he came out after four college seasons, but then yeah. he got a fifth COVID season, absolutely um, lit things on fire in his final year and, and wound up being a first-round pick. Um, and Jordan Madison helped that as well, let's be honest. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um so I, I think he's probably going to be maxed out as like an average or slightly below average NFL starter, but I do think he's be going to be able to keep the Pittsburgh job for probably two or three years. Um, and Howell is sort of interesting. I mean, really good as a freshman at North Carolina in a major conference, um, slid a little bit in his third and final college season, but he just lost Javante Williams, Michael Carter, Deami Brown, and, and Daz Newsom, basically all his skill position talent. Um, you know, and Howell's got a good arm and he can run. So, um, the fact that he fell into the fifth round suggests that his chances of NFL success probably aren't that great, but, um, definitely interesting tools. And I, I kind of liked his draft profile. I'm surprised he fell that far. Yeah. Just to me though, there isn't much separating Howell and Ritter. I mean, I, I did like Howell more as a prospect, but then he went in the fifth and Ritter went in the third. And Ritter can certainly run. He's got 4.5 speed and, um, you know, he's going to be in this offense where probably his running will be encouraged by Arthur Smith, who likes to keep it on the ground as much as possible. So, um, yeah, a, a, an interesting group together. Uh, I do prefer Pickett. And I have to ask real fast, Rich, uh, since you're in the UK, does does it is it weird to you and, and other UK fantasy football enthusiasts that um, – so much of football, the gold standard for measurements of speed is in yardage. Is that just like, is that hard for you guys to process or have you gotten used to it and just know that 4-4 is fast and 4-7 is slow? And I think um, probably not just because it's it's it comes with the verbiage and it's, you know, yards is, is what American football is measured in. I think the UK is probably the one place in the world that just mixes the imperial and metric system perfectly intertwined you know you go to europe and if you start talking imperial people don't have a clue what you're talking about but and if you go to america and you start trying to talk metric people don't have a clue but we just quite happily use both so yeah i, I think the idea that a 40 yard dash is is the measurement of speed rather than you know why not 50 why not 30 and i remember i think i read somewhere it was that the idea was that 40 yards was the furthest distance you'd sprint on a field as a gunner on a punt, which is why mm. they use 40 yards, which, you know, it's okay, fine. But yeah, I've, I've never quite got my head around why it's 40 yards, but the fact it's yards, it's, it, it's just 
football it, it is what it is as such yeah i suppose everything in football is yards but uh you know when you when you grow up with the metric system that's got to be a little bit jolting to get into the sport that uses everything in yardage yeah although to be fair like our our football pitches soccer pitches they're they're measured in width and length of, are in yards uh a, a football box you know it's a 12 yard box for 12 yard to the penalty box spot six yard box so that's that's measured in yards so it just mm. shows how stupid we are that we <laughs> we quite happily use both metrics um but back to the question for for me um i think kenny pickett in terms of value is probably one if not two tiers above desmond ridder and sam Howe. um i think who i'd rather as my backup i'd always rather kenny pickett because i think his value is highest and and i'm always going to build a team around value but I think it's an interesting question because it probably depends who my QB2 is. You know, if I've got two absolute superstars and I just want a solid, reliable QB3 that's going to fill in on bye weeks and probably never hit my starting lineup other than that, then, yeah, I'd probably go pick it. If I'm maybe a fringe contender that's got, I know, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, at quarterback that could do with some juice, that could do with the, you know, swing for the fences, let's try and find a potential superstar, then, yeah, that's where I'd probably lean Ridder or Howell as, as that QB3, just because I'd feel like I'm probably at a disadvantage over the other true contenders in my league at quarterback. So let's let's take the home run play of if Ridder or Howell really hit it off because of that rushing upside, they've got a much higher ceiling than someone like a, like a picket as such. Perfect. Well, thank you ever so much for jumping on, Pat. It has been an absolute delight. And uh, yeah, I know, know the people listening and watching have, have really appreciated you uh, you answering their questions. Remind everybody while they're here, where, where can they find you? Where, where can they find your ranks? Where can they find your work? Oh, sure. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Rich. This was a lot of fun and uh, there were a lot of great questions. So it was fun to take part in this. And uh, people can find me on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. And um, yeah, just be sure to visit fantasypros.com. I mean, hopefully we're, um, you know, a, a candy store for everyone with our tools and, and content. And, um, you know, we have not just uh, like there are a lot of people who contribute to that, including our own Tom Strachan, who does uh, amazing work for us, especially on the dynasty front. So, um, yeah, there are a lot of uh, great contributors and um, something for everyone on the site. So please check us out. No, actually, it's, it's it's an incredible tool. It's something I've been using. I probably don't want to admit how long I've been using it in terms of basically since I started in fantasy, the, the volume of content, the amazing tools. It, it is it is a, a must for anyone playing fantasy. But yeah, thank you so much. We're going to be diving in over the coming weeks. We've got some redraft content coming. I'm going to be going into a, a dynasty theory segment. We're going to be looking at, you know, the thought the thought process behind trading thought process behind startups and and try and get some more theory based stuff coming to your ears but uh yeah we will see you again very soon